On today's Winning Cures Everything, is Big Ten expansion over? Potential ACC Pac-12 merger? Amazon wants Pac-12 on Friday nights? Uh, we've got a new Notre Dame offensive line coach, Tennessee NCAA News, and more. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host, a confident young man, a superb athlete, Gary Seegers. Welcome back to Winning Cures Everything, presented by BetUS, where we talk college football news and rumors all year round. I'm Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE, and this is the Tuesday, February 28th edition of the show. It's season eight, episode 16, if you keep up with those things. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, like Super Smash Brothers. And uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, make sure and hit subscribe so, of course, you never miss the latest tales from the college football universe. Now, I am sure that some of you are tired of all the Pac-12 talk lately, but I, I will go ahead and tell you, we are going to hit on a lot more of it today. Uh, before we start that, I have started posting my college basketball numbers on Twitter for those of you that are, you know, still messaging me, asking for my picks, etc., yes, I still bet college basketball. No, I do not have the time anymore to post videos or or even post the picks to Twitter once I bet them. Uh, I figure it makes more sense for me to just give you my spreadsheet so you can see exactly what I'm looking at with my projected lines. Uh, I'll post them up, you know, between now and the NCAA tournament. So just stay tuned to me over on Twitter. Again, it's at uh, GaryWCE. All right. Now we've got quite a bit of hit on, so... Let's hit on the college football news. Let's uh, let's dive into it. Going to write our times down, of course. Is Big Ten expansion over? Matt Hayes from Saturday.Football does not seem to believe so. In fact, in his latest article at SaturdayTradition.com, titled Sources Insist Big Ten Isn't Finished Rating the Pac-12, uh, the fifth sentence in his article reads, If anyone thinks the Big Ten is not coming back for more, they are not following along, an industry source told Saturday Out West this week. Now, it continues on. It says, The official end of the wildly underrated Pac-12 arrives when the Big Ten finds a media rights partner, network or cable television, and or a streaming service to foot the bill for the conference to add more schools from the Pac-12. Because the Big Ten isn't leaving USC and UCLA alone on the West Coast, it must protect its investment. Now, Hayes does have a point here. Having USC and UCLA play Every single road game from 1,500 to 2,800 miles away does not make sense for the athletes because we're not just talking football. We've got volleyball and basketball, et cetera. It's a lot of travel for all of their athletic programs. Like, I, I know what you're saying to yourself, but Gary, if the Big Ten wanted more schools, why didn't they just take them the first time? To which I would reply, we've already been over this. Like, But to rehash just a bit, USC and UCLA contacted the Big Ten about leaving the Pac-12 after their grant of rights deal ended. Taking two schools would not completely destroy a conference. Look at what the Big 12 did after losing Oklahoma and Texas. But if they had come in and taken USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, now that would have absolutely killed the conference because the brands left after that are not worth what was left even in the Big 12. You cannot take them all at one time or you would be battling litigation and lawsuits for years. So take two and then let the Pac-12 get the best media rights deal that they can come up with, 
and then let Oregon and Washington come back to you once the next grant of rights is done. And that's a big part of this, right, is making sure that those schools go to the Big Ten first. And they already have. They met last fall uh, in Chicago, Oregon and Washington, just to see what the situation would look like, right? So Hayes' article continues on. It says, another industry source told Saturday Out West they still believe the four Pac-12 schools last year uh, told Klyovkov they weren't signing extended grant of media rights deals without an unfettered out to join the Big Ten. And that would be Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and California. Those are the dream additions for the Big Ten if it can find the funding. Now, if it can only find funding for two, Washington and Oregon are definitely the preferred additions. Uh, the Action Network reported in November that Washington and Oregon held preliminary discussions, which I just talked about, about joining the Big Ten. Uh, here's another quote from that article. It says, I'm not sure it has to be an equal Big Ten share either, a second source said. It just has to be more than what the big, uh, the Pac-12 can provide. Now, if you're asked to accept less to survive, the choice is easy. So we do have an interesting conundrum here, right? The Big Ten has no deal with ESPN. There won't be a single Big Ten sporting event on ESPN until this next media rights deal is completed. ESPN is in bed with the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. Now, Fox has some of the Big 12 and the Big 10. Would ESPN be willing to pay more to every Pac-12 member to make sure that Oregon and Washington stay in the Pac-12, thus keeping them away from Fox? Like, could ESPN be working with Kalafkov on an unequal revenue-sharing model where they pay those schools more than the others, maybe, maybe locking them in longer so they don't have to bolt to the Big 10? Like, a deal that sees more than half of the Pac-12's games on a streaming service will not keep those big brands in the fold for long, and they'll bolt at the first opportunity, which is also why those schools won't necessarily agree to moving to the Big Ten for less money if they're only going to be relegated to you know, a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time window or an Amazon Friday night, which other schools will have to be willing to play on Amazon as well from the Big Ten. Uh, in the next four to five years, I would imagine we're going to see exactly how valuable Oregon and Washington actually are based on what ESPN and the Big Ten ultimately do. I'm here for all of it, because the longer this thing goes on, like the less answers I have, the less guesses that, that I can actually come up with on this. It, it's just an absolute mess currently. Now, Winning Cures Everything is brought to you by BetUS with fast payouts, fantastic customer service, a myriad of options to bet on, and an easy-to-use layout. It is easy to see why it's been America's favorite online sports book for nearly 30 years. And right now, you can wager with a $50 free play with no deposit required just by signing up using the link in the description. So take advantage of the deal and, of course, get signed up at BetUS, where the game begins. All right, write our times down here. And we're going to talk a little merger discussion. Forbes contributor Jim Williams put out an article last week entitled The Pac-12's Leadership Needs to Ink a New Media Deal then starts ACC merger talks. So I guess we're back on this idea, the Pac-12 merging with basically anybody. Like there was talk of a potential Pac-12, Big 12 merger. At one point late last summer, we had discussed this ACC Pac-12 merger. But, uh, Bubba Cunningham, North Carolina AD, had mentioned it to his university chancellor. In documents released through a FOIA request, he texted, should we explore a partnership with the Big 12 or the Pac-12? And the chancellor uh, Kevin Guskowitz, I hope I said that right, uh, responded, we could have a super conference both athletically and academically. Probably would need to be called the Atlantic Pacific Athletic Conference, APAC, 
Uh, he said, maybe that's crazy, but it would get us a better TV deal. It may be worth considering. Interesting. And and that's what it's all about, right? The ACC is now in a situation where their highest profile members, at least as far as athletics and, and eyeballs are concerned, are beginning to voice their discontent with how their current media rights deals are structured. Uh, that same deal that former Commissioner John Swafford thought would help secure the conference for the long haul. You know, the, the Scottie Pippen issue. Underpaid, but guaranteed for a long time. Uh, the North Carolina AD continued on. He said, we need to think about what outcomes we want. What are our priorities? Do we want to maintain all teams in the ACC? Is this a new league? Do we want to have the same number of teams at each school? Uh, should we play a national schedule or a regional schedule? Uh, but this conversation took place right after USC and UCLA bolted the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. Like, everyone was in a panic at that point. Uh, there's, there's not really a way that this could work, right? At least you wouldn't assume so. But Williams does go on in his article to say this. Uh, he said, There remains an open channel between the ACC and the Pac-12 about ways they can work together in the future. Merger talks are not a dream or a media-hyped story. There is clearly room for some serious conversations. Now, he's not necessarily wrong, right? Like, we've talked for quite some time about the idea of the Big Ten and the SEC eventually reaching 20-plus teams. Uh, the College Football Universe has had open discussions about what it would look like if and even when the biggest brands in the sport eventually pull away from conferences and just go to something that looks closer to an NFL model. Like, honestly, you have to admit the fact that, you know, Vanderbilt and Georgia are considered playing the same sport is a bit comical when you really think about it. But either way, at the end of the day, this really is, is all about those valuable TV dollars, right? The SEC and Big Ten expanded in the early 2010s with who could secure the most TV households for their conference TV networks. And while the SEC Network and the Big Ten Network aren't exactly going anywhere, uh, the ACC Network is still in its infancy. Uh, you know, the ACC is not looking to necessarily expand as much as they're looking to completely partner with another smaller conference that has big brands. And I guess an absolutely spectacular academic reputation, something that means quite a bit to the presidents in both of those conferences. So the question then is, what would a merger offer? Like Williams continues on, he says, an, uh, an Atlantic Pacific Athletic Conference could offer media partners some outstanding big-name college sports brands in all four time zones, starting at noon on the East Coast, heading into the Central Mountain, and ending the night on the Pacific Coast. We're talking Boston College, Pitt, and Syracuse in the East, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Miami, and North Carolina in the South, uh, for now, SMU in the Central, if they were to be added to the Pac-12, of course, Colorado and Utah in the Mountains, and then uh, it's the Arizona schools, Cal, Stanford, and the Oregon and Washington schools out west. Now, for me, just think of some of the matchups that you could reasonably see from this. Uh, Clemson versus Oregon, Washington versus Florida State, Utah versus North Carolina, Miami versus Arizona State, Colorado versus Pitt. Like, you could schedule it in such a way that the conference plays nine games and you can do six versus regional foes and three versus the other coast. It, it would take forever to rotate matchups, but the games would honestly never get old. You'd basically have a new schedule every year with the market sizes and the number of schools, the possibility of being able to schedule games in all four time windows. The idea is actually intriguing. Uh, but there's also the question of whether or not this would make financial sense for ESPN, who already has a sweetheart deal with the ACC and who has already said that they're not going to pay more for the Pac-12 than what it's actually worth. Andrew Marchand reported in the fall that ESPN and the Pac-12 were hundreds of millions of dollars apart on their potential media rights deal so if ESPN already has the ACC and they could get the Pac-12 for even cheaper, 
why would they offer more money to more schools from leagues that they already have better deals with? And there's a couple of reasons here, right? First, it would generate better matchups. Like, you'd have to find a way to get Oregon and Washington and, and Florida State, Clemson, and Miami to play pretty often. Like, brands versus brands will have to matter. And second, you know, ESPN could come to the realization that by allowing the bigger brands in each conference to pull in significantly less money than their peers in the SEC and the Big Ten over a long period of time, uh, they would effectively be diminishing the value of those brands that they've currently got on the cheap. Like, is there a way to maybe do unequal revenue sharing with the biggest brands here while still allowing the other schools a conference where they can compete and survive? Like, possibly. At the end of the day, Williams closes with the correct idea here. He said, uh, this is a very ambitious plan, and many things have to go right uh, for the Pac-12 and ACC merger, but key people on both sides think that it is worth exploring. So the Pac-12 needs to sign a new media deal and start being creative with the ACC to see what comes next for both leagues. For the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC to survive going forward, they're going to have to get creative. Like, Brett Yarmark and, and the Big 12 are already trying to capitalize on a market inefficiency with college basketball. Could the Pac-12 and ACC be creative enough to put together a merger that makes sense? Like, only time is going to tell this, but if they don't do anything, like, it, it's really only a matter of time until both conferences go the way of the old Southwest Conference. Just my two cents on it. Uh, continuing on, we're, we're going to stay on the Pac-12 here. Of course, write the times down. You guys know how I do it. It's a one-man show over here. Come on. Uh, the Pac-12 Football Media Day has been moved from Los Angeles to Las Vegas for 2023, as this is the last season for USA, uh, excuse me, USC and UCLA to be in the conference. Uh, Las Vegas has been a bit of a Pac-12 hub lately, as the football conference championship game has been hosted there the past two seasons, and the men's conference basketball tournament has been held in Vegas since 2013. Uh, I don't think that surprises anybody at all. Like you, you don't currently have a foothold in Los Angeles. I know Klyovkov said that, you know, they're going to try and do some neutral site games in L.A., et cetera, et cetera. As it sits right now, like, nobody's going to care. Like, the people in L.A. are, they're going to be paying attention to USC and UCLA heading into the Big Ten, you know, next year. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, do me a favor, leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're on Spotify or Amazon Music, et cetera, leave a five-star review for me. It helps the show out. Uh, but it's a big word. Here's the big word, algorithmically, which basically means when you subscribe and review the podcast, those platforms put it in front of more people, which helps me out tremendously because I, surprise, don't have some huge advertising budget. Remember, we got a one-man show over here. Uh, but tell your friends about it, though. That's that's advertising in its purest form. All right, enough of that. Enough of that. Uh, let's see. We are moving into, uh, let's, let's discuss a little more. Richard Deitch wrote about Apple, Amazon, and the Pac-12 in The Athletic on Monday and had some, you know, interesting tidbits to share out. Now, Deitch is as tied in on sports media as anybody, and his connections gave him some pretty compelling information. Uh, he stated that the potential partners that we've all talked about, Amazon, ESPN, Apple, etc., are all open to something with the Pac-12, but only at a certain price. Now, we've discussed this on the show multiple times, uh, the Big Ten and SEC and, and NFL are must-haves. The Pac-12 fits alongside the G5s in this whole it-would-be-nice-to-have category, right? Now, here's the interesting nugget from that article. It said, uh, there is conceptual interest from the Amazon side for a Friday night Pac-12 football game. Why? Well, they can promote it during their Thursday night football franchise 
and they would not be going up against the Saturday college football schedule. It would be another nice piece for Amazon's growing sports portfolio. But the price has to be right, and from what I understand, Amazon and the Pac-12 were far apart earlier this month regarding any kind of a deal. Now, that's that's interesting. First, because Amazon wanting to get in on Friday Night Football isn't really what we expected. And second, because it sounds like Klyovkov is wanting way more money for a Friday night standalone from Amazon than what they're willing to pay. Uh, Deitch also questioned whether or not the Pac-12 Conference Championships could be parceled out, uh, which you know basically means selling them separately from the regular season packages. Like ESPN and CBS do this with mid-major conferences during March Madness, uh, but would the Pac-12 really be willing to sell their championship games and tournaments separately? Like We haven't seen a P5 do that before, and, and before you guys start in on me, I know the Pac-12 is, is nothing like a power anything right now. You guys leave me alone, all right? Uh, <laughs> it also mentions in the story, uh, and I'm going to read this straight from the article, it says, one industry source said ESPN had general interest in the Pac-12 and likely a Saturday 10.30 p.m. Eastern time window for football games, but with so many assets coming up for bid, NBA, college football playoff, NCAA championships, NASCAR, etc., and Disney in cost-conscious mode, uh, there was no chance it was going to break the bank for Pac-12 inventory. Now, the first thing that I noticed in this, and I'll give you about two seconds to see if you noticed it too, okay? One, two, ESPN had general interest, and there was no chance it was going to break the bank. This That's past tense. If ESPN's out of the running, and this is the first that we've heard of that potential, then is, is it only Apple and Amazon that's left? Like, could Ion be the only linear option left, if that's even a real thing? If the only available options are streaming, like, that's got to be the death knell of the conference, right? Now, he also closes out the article with this. He said, if I was a consultant and the Pac-12 asked me what we should do, note this is not happening, I would sign a short-term deal with ESPN and with one streaming service. The money will not make my college presidents happy, and George Klyovkov was hired to bring in a big money deal. Uh, But I would play the medium-term market, trade dollars for exposure in the near term, and see where streaming versus cable is in, say, 2028. But here's the issue. What if that short-term ESPN deal is no longer an option? Like, this, this whole thing is just nuts to see play out. You toss all that stuff in with Dennis Dodd's latest article at CBS, uh, where you've got the former Oregon coach Mike Bellotti uh, saying, and this is quoted from him, he said, I have that impending sense of doom. All my life, I've always been a West Coast guy. I can just see the Pac-12 falling apart. Now, one aspect of this that was brought up in Dodd's article where he spoke with multiple former Pac-12 coaches is that going to streaming is going to kill recruiting in that conference. If people cannot see your games easily, most players are going to choose to play somewhere they can be seen. This this is an absolute cluster. And yes, I will admit to you, I am tired of it too. I absolutely am. Uh, But we got to stay on this stuff until something happens. I mean, this is the big-time stuff in college sports right now, so we're going to stay on it. Uh, On the other side, Notre Dame has got a new offensive line coach. We... We've got Tennessee NCAA news, LSU is making coaching moves, and uh, and a whole lot more. Let's check out some things you should know about. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, expert game analysis only on the BetUS TV College football channel. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. 
Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. Notre Dame has hired offensive line coach Joe Rudolph from Virginia Tech. Now, he only spent a year with Brent, uh, Brent Pry and company, but he was at Wisconsin with Paul Christ from 2015 through 2021, and he was at Pitt with Christ as an OC from 2012 through 2014. Now, this looks like an absolute dynamite hire for Marcus Freeman. Like, those Wisconsin offensive lines were brutal, and he seems like a fantastic fit at Notre Dame. Now, you guys know that I like to look forward to the connection. Like, how, how do Rudolph and Freeman know each other, right? Freeman, of course, played at Ohio State. He was there from 2004 through 2008 before being taken in the 2009 NFL draft. And wouldn't you know it, Rudolph got his coaching career started as a GA at Ohio State from 2004 through 2006. Now, he then moved on to Nebraska as a tight ends coach, uh, headed to Wisconsin in the same role before heading to Pitt and then back to Madison. Uh, this is an interesting one. Very interesting. These guys have a history together. The fact that he was an OC as well as an offensive line coach, you toss him in there with uh, uh, Gerard Parker. We'll see what's cooking. But he seems to fit the mold that Marcus Freeman wants his offenses to be. I think this could be interesting. Could be very, very interesting. We got some NCAA news regarding the Tennessee Volunteers this morning. Uh, Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger reports that former Vols inside linebackers coach Brian Niedermeyer, outside linebackers coach Shelton Felton, uh, director of player personnel Drew Hughes, and student assistant coach Michael Magnus are receiving three to five year show cause penalties as a result of a negotiated resolution with the NCAA. Uh, first off, those names feel like ones that would be, you know, computer generated by the NCA 14 video game way back when. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm cracking up with this. Brian Niedermeyer, Shelton Felton, Drew Hughes, and Michael Magnus. Uh, just, just bananas. Anyway, uh, a show cause penalty for those that don't know is where a school has to uh, present reasons to the NCAA why it wants to hire that person during that certain time period. Most schools don't do that. Uh, the only one that I know of that did, at least high profile, was Bruce Pearl. Auburn hired him. It was right towards the end of his show calls. It, it is what it is. Uh, notice in all of this that I did not name the university, Jeremy Pruitt, you know, the former head coach, or Derek Ansley, who was the defensive coordinator and is now the D.C. for the NFL's Los Angeles Chargers. And that's because the NCAA is bifurcating. That's right. The case. Uh, here's the NCAA statement on this. It says, By separating the cases, the Division I Committee on Infractions publicly acknowledges the infractions case and permits the individuals to immediately begin serving their penalties while awaiting the committee's final decision. That decision will also include any findings and penalties for the school and remaining individuals who have contested the violations and or penalties. This is the third case where the committee has used multiple resolution paths. So... And we still don't have a resolution to the case for Tennessee, who basically was asking for these NCAA violations in order to fire Pruitt without having to pay a buyout, uh, or for Pruitt, who it appears is contesting the violations. I, this is Ansley's fine, right? He's in the NFL. He's probably not going to worry about coming back to college football. Uh, Pruitt has said, yo, like, I'm going to fight some of this stuff. And I don't blame him. I mean, he was a head coach. Maybe he comes back to be defense coordinator at Alabama eventually. Uh, but he's got to get this stuff cleared up first. And if he keeps all of these level ones, he may not coach again. 
Like it, it might be a, I think the longest show cause that we've had has been 10 years, but that's a long time. That's a long, long time. So we'll, we'll see what happens. A uh, quick reminder, if you haven't already, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Uh, there's still like 75% of viewers on these videos that are not subscribed to the channel. Uh, you would be doing me a solid as I'm hoping to, you know, really build this thing into something big in 2023. Again, I'm a one-man show. Your support's going to mean the world to me. I personally produce, edit, post, etc. every video, every thumbnail, every podcast, etc. Uh, so do me that favor, hit subscribe, share out the show with your friends, all that. It'd mean a lot. Uh, check out the merch store, too, while you can. Uh, not while you can. Uh, check out the merch store like that you can now see on YouTube. It's down in the bottom. Down at the bottom. All right. Moving right along, uh, LSU. Let's talk about LSU for a minute. LSU is shuffling their coaching deck a bit. Now, we told you about Brian Polian being shifted to an off-field role a couple of weeks ago. Well, Brian Kelly has decided to promote analyst John Jancic to an on-field coaching role as an outside linebackers coach. Jancic has been a D.C. at Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Colorado State. He also worked at Georgia as well, so he's got some SEC familiarity. Uh, the Tigers also announced, however, that they are hiring Bob Diaco as a defensive analyst. Now, Diaco was UConn's head coach from 2014 through 2016 and has been a D.C. at Notre Dame, Nebraska, Purdue, Louisiana Tech, Cincinnati, da da da, da. He, was, he was out of football in 2021. He was the defensive line coach for the USFL's New Jersey Generals last year. If you're curious about the connection out there, this has been a little while back, but he was Brian Kelly's D.C. at Cincinnati in 2009 when the Bearcats went undefeated before losing to Florida in the Sugar Bowl, and then he followed Kelly to Notre Dame and was his D.C., until taking the UConn head coaching job in 2014. And so Diaco has had a, a rough run of it. If you listen to uh, the Barstool guys in their uh, their Pick'em podcast, uh, I think it's the Diaco Cup is what, <laughs> is what they're playing for every year. I know that's the uh, the Pat Hill thing. I wonder, they've got something to do with Diaco. But uh, whew, Diaco is a name. A lot of people not not big on him. But I'll tell you, he's got a connection with Brian Kelly. So that, that one's going to be interesting. This is, you know... Basically, Kevin Steele coming back to work for Nick Saban kind of thing. You know, Brian Kelly's had Bobby Yako there forever. So, moving right along, uh, Alabama has hired Liberty linebackers coach Robert Bala. It's a very interesting hire. Uh, this coach was just elevated to linebackers coach at Liberty after being a defensive analyst for uh, Hugh Freeze during the 2022 season. Uh, Bala will be taking over Austin Armstrong's inside linebacker spot. Now, Prior to joining Liberty, he was the D.C. at Southern Utah in 2020 and 2021. He was the cornerbacks coach there in 2018 and 2019. Before that, he was at Ottawa University, Arizona, Palomar College, an intern with the Oakland Raiders, and he started coaching at Snow College. Now, Hugh Freeze said on WJOX in Birmingham, he said, I'm jealous that Nick got him. I typically don't go outside of my tree too much, but I had him highly recommended to me at Liberty, he was at Southern Utah. He was wanting to break into the FBS level, and I interviewed him and was absolutely blown away by, uh, blown away by his knowledge, his demeanor for teaching, and he's a rising star. He said the guy was incredibly valuable, a great evaluator, and he's a great human being. He and his wife, Demi, are just super people. Now, first off, to me, if, if Hugh Freeze was jealous that Saban got him, what on earth was stopping him from hiring him at Auburn? Like, I don't know that I necessarily buy... Uh, that Freeze couldn't have had him if he wanted him. But it is also true that Bala has not been an on-field assistant in the FBS yet. Like, he could have a ton of potential. And, and Nick Saban really might be a better spot to take a chance on that 
than Freeze in his first season on the Plains. Uh, but overall, when somebody gets an opportunity like this, uh, you know that he had to have wowed in the interview setting, right? Saban wants his coaches on the board, drawing up schemes, showing what they know, and he must have been pretty good. Like, this is going to be interesting because we don't have a lot of history of Bala. Like, our only real data point is that Southern Utah went 1-9 and nine in his last year there as D.C. They were number 118 in points per game allowed, and they gave up over 39 points per game. So we'll see what happens, but this is, this is interesting. Saban does like to take in some young coaches here and there, uh, but this one, I mean, no experience anywhere in just getting bumped right up to an on-field assistant role at Alabama. I mean, he had to have wowed some people in that interview. Just absolutely wowed them. Ah, North Carolina. Interesting, interesting uh, hire here. North Carolina has hired former Cleveland Browns head coach and NFL offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens as their new tight ends coach. Now, he had been in the NFL from 2006 through 2021. He was a tight ends coach for the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Cowboys, along with running backs coach, quarterbacks coach, etc. Kitchens, who was a former Alabama quarterback under Gene Stallings, was an analyst at South Carolina last season, which, incidentally, is North Carolina's week one opponent for the 2023 season. Now, I've tried, but I cannot find a connection between Kitchens and Mac Brown. However, this hire has Chip Lindsey's fingerprints all over it. Lindsey played at North Alabama in 92 and 93 for Bobby Wallace, but he graduated from the University of Alabama in 1997, which was Kitchens last year as the quarterback for the Tide. Now, Lindsey started his coaching career at, at Colbert Heights High School in Alabama in 2005, which was Kitchens last year at Mississippi State, so they may have actually run across each other on the recruiting trail as well. Like I'm sure all of Lindsey's ties in the state of Alabama probably has something to do with this, uh, but Kitchens is well-traveled. He's been on a lot of different staffs. Um, he's, he's, he was at Mississippi State. He was at North Texas. Uh, he was, you know, again, with Saban as a GA. Like, he's... He's been all over the place in the NFL and in college. So this one does kind of make a little bit of sense. Does make a little bit of sense. I'm, I'm curious how it's going to work out. Because uh, going from NFL head coach to, you know, North Carolina tight ends coach is uh, it's just a little different. Just a little different. Oklahoma State unveiled a $325 million athletics vision plan just as Texas and Oklahoma have announced that they are leaving the Big 12 early for the SEC. Now, the remaining Big 12 members are going to be trying to take over that top spot as the dominant athletics program in the conference, and Oklahoma State is planting their flag early. The release reads, The plan focuses on providing for the success of student-athletes, improving the fan experience, and bolstering the university's ability to attract student-athletes across all programs through the creation of a unified and connected athletic village unrivaled in college sports. And it continues on. It says, Including in the new plan are a new football operations center, a new wrestling training facility, a new softball stadium, an indoor track, a new training center for basketball, upgrades to the Pedigo Hole Equestrian Center, and to Karsten Creek Golf Course, and repurposed areas in the west end zone of Boone Pickens Stadium and Gallagher-Iba Arena for student-athlete services that include a new academic center and spaces for mental health, leadership, and career development. It's a lot of words. But it makes sense to get a head start on this stuff, right? You don't want to get left behind in this new iteration of the Big 12. So I'm, I'm curious to see what all this ends up being. They don't have, you know, full plans drawn out for all of it. And from what I understand, they are going to go piece by piece on this. As they get the money in for one project, they'll go ahead and knock that out. And then they'll move on to the next thing. So 
It's a smart idea by Oklahoma State to go ahead and get ahead of this because, you know, who knows what the future is going to look like after this next Big 12 grant of rights. You want to see what ends up happening after, or I guess heading into the next media rights deal. Take advantage of the money that you got and the booster support that you got right now. All right. That is going to wrap it up. It's going to wrap up this edition of Winning Cures Everything. Again, if you have not already, you know what to do. Click the like button for me. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. I'm pushing for 10,000 subscribers this year. I want to know your thoughts on everything that we discussed today. So make sure and jump in the comments. Of course, make sure to get signed up at BetUS. And of course, subscribe to and review the podcast. Now, as always, if there's something you want me to talk about on the show, you can feel free to hit me up. I'm at GaryWCE on Twitter, or you can email me, Gary at winninggearseverything.com. Or again, as I just mentioned, you can always toss it in the comments or you know, toss it into a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, etc. Uh, with that said, I hope you all have wonderful weekends. Until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. God bless college football, and hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, and make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.